Well, we all know it was a rough week. We saw a lot of, a lot of uh, things going down. And um, of all the things, how many saw a lot of Facebook posts? How many are still not on Facebook? Come on, would you all get with it? I mean, it's about time. It's not hard. It doesn't cost any money. All kinds of edifying things get put up on there. Yeah, there's some junk up there too, but I'll tell you what, there's so much edifying stuff. I am so glad. Someone came along and invented a thing like Facebook and puts wonderful teaching messages up there. Rick Renner puts something up two, three times a day. Video teaching, things to think about. He addresses stuff like this was going on. Other, others get up there and do, oh, I'll tell you what, it's wonderful. Sure, there's junky stuff. People talk about the flowers they smelled that day and stuff like that. And we don't care about that. But oh, I'll tell you, you can, you can really get some good things in there. But of all the Facebook posts that went up there, I saw the best one this morning. It was put up by my roommate. Y'all know my roommate? One of my roommates from college. Bob Russell. Bob Russell. She's my, my roommate. She's my wife. It's a big difference between wife and a roommate. Big difference. Anyway, my roommate put up this in there, and I didn't get a chance to tell him I really enjoyed it. He put a picture. How many have seen The Princess Bride? How many have not seen The Princess Bride? All right, you all to go home and see it. No, it's, it's just one of those legendary, stupid movies. But it's just legendary. It has a lot of quotes. People quote it all the time. And, and he put up a picture of the wedding scene, and he put up the king from the wedding scene. And just this one line from The Princess Bride. Man and wife, say it. Man and wife. <laughs> is that not a great line I'll tell you what of all the things that were put up there I think that was about the best one that I had seen but of course it was all over in the Christian churches at, at odds uh, it, it didn't throw me at all this week I don't know about you but I had a good week I wasn't disturbed by the Supreme Court's decisions at all anybody else disturbed by them I wasn't disturbed by them I actually expected them I totally expected them they didn't surprise me they didn't do uh, any of that at all. What was kind of interesting, and it just uh, shows you how, how far away our country has gotten, is, is Judge Roberts. Is, uh, he's the chief. Then in the first decision he made, he argued for states' rights in one direction. And in the second decision that he made, he argued in states' rights in a whole different direction that was against the first argument he put up. Now, these are the people that are supposed to interpret the laws. Right? We have a Supreme Court who has continually, of late, decided not to interpret the law as it is written, which is their job, but to decide what was intended and have at times rewritten the law to work with the intent that works at hand. That's not the job of the Supreme Court. We have a president who ignores laws on the books if he doesn't like them and has rewritten laws himself. And enforce them. That's not the job of the president. We have a Congress who passes laws without reading them. Now, these are our three areas of, of power in the country. I want you to read you some scriptures. And if you get these scriptures down, nothing that happens this week or next week or the things to come will surprise you. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 22. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, we have not prophesied it. Have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Therefore, whoever hears these things of mine and does them. What sayings? Sayings of our Lord. He who does them. That's what we need to do. If you don't, you are lawless. Matthew chapter 13, verse 41. All these come from Matthew, which you all ought to be reading right now. <clears throat> the Son of Man will send out His angels, and they will gather out of His kingdom all things that offend and those who practice lawlessness. Two things I want you to get out of this scripture. First off, the angels are going to be sent out to get those who practice lawlessness. Those who practice lawlessness are going to be removed. There's another group of people that are going to be removed. All those who what? Offend. Now, we understand why God can come in and take out all those who are lawless. 
What opens the door for him to come in and take out all those who offend? Because this is new language. We haven't seen this before. Why does he talk about bringing out all those who offend? Last couple of years, folks, why do people get up in arms? Why do we see the riots? Why do we see the people closing down businesses? Because someone became offended. And we have catered around the minority of people who are offended. So what God does now is what you what offends me, I will remove. You guys are removing what offends you. I will remove what offends me. In the same way that you judge, you shall be judged. In the same way that you judge, you shall be judged. Matthew 24. Well, I'm sorry, Matthew 23, verse 28. Even so you also outwardly appear righteous to men, but inside you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. There's a fourth one, Matthew 24:12. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. Jesus told us way back in the book of Matthew, before he departed here, that lawlessness would abound. Lawlessness means people do as they want. They ignore the law and they do what they want to do. The fact, folks, that it is abounding should not surprise you. You should expect it. It's a sign that the day is getting closer. And he's coming soon. Here's the thing, though. Sometimes we see this lawlessness and you you read the the Facebook, the Internet, people, and people are getting discouraged. People are ready to throw up their arms. People are ready to move to a different country. People are ready to, you know, do all kinds of stuff. Why? It shouldn't surprise you. Lawlessness will increase. So what should you do? Stay under what the Word of God says to do. Keep doing it. Keep doing it. And don't let your love get cold. Don't let your love grow cold. That's what you do. Don't worry about the rest of it. I've heard people, I, I didn't read them. I didn't waste my time reading them. But I heard people have put up prophecies and, and things. You know, our country is now going to be judged. <laughs> really? <laughs> really? This is, this is the one that did it? Because we uh, legalized gay marriage. This is the one that did it? Killing innocent babies? And that didn't do it? Which one do you think God is more offended at? Do you, do you think the ending of, of lives of babies unborn trumps two people of the same sex getting married? My word, I think it does. Holy cow. Are you kidding me? God said it was coming up. Don't let any of this stuff surprise you. Know what the Word of God says. Know what to expect in the end times. And do what the Word of God says. Don't let your love grow cold. Keep loving people. Keep letting your life be ordered by the Word of God. Other people may not. That's all right. That's all right. Who's God going to come and take out? All those that practice lawlessness. So who are you going to be? I'm going to, I'm going to follow the law. <laughs> I'm going to not, he's not talking about the law of the Old Testament. You know, he's just talking about let the, the Word of God be written on your hearts as a law. We do what He says to do. So that's why we've been in this series talking about submission. Everybody's favorite topic. We all like submission. I actually changed the name of this, and I didn't change it on your outline before there, but uh, I changed the name of this to Submission is Not Death. It's still basically the same thing, though. Submission, submission is challenging, but it's not death. Last week we looked at the scripture. It said, in those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Why did they do it? Because there was no king in the land. Because there was no king in Israel, everyone did what was right in their own eyes. The problem that we have in America, the problem that we have in the church, the problem that we have in the world is simple. People do not have a king. That's the simple problem. Everyone is doing what they think they will do. Listen to the language. I'm talking about people in the church. Listen to the language of people in the church. Well, I don't think God will do that. 
I really don't care what you think. What does the Word of God say? That's all that matters. What you think is irrelevant. But you see, Christians are going around, well, I think God would allow me to do that. Where does he say so in his word? Well, <laughs> see, we're doing what's right in our own eyes because I have no king. And really, you do have a king, but your king is yourself. We've got to get out of that. So here's, what, here's the thing. I heard someone talking on, on this topic a, a long time ago, and I wrote these things down. They so, said three things that submission is not. Now, I've expanded, I've meditated on I've expanded a little bit, but basically the three things are, are the, the guts of it. But we, we added a, first, uh, a few. The first one is one that I added was different from the original list, but it makes it work better. And there was one aspect of this that was missing. And I wanted to see it. My, my daughter has this phrase when she talks about our granddaughter. And she's, you know how the little kids, you know, year, two years old, when they don't get something they want, what do they do? I mean, cry, drop the head, all those sorts of things. You know, they're, they're very dramatic. And so her, her words for her are, drama much? <laughs> this, is a great, this is a great line. She has no idea what she's saying to her. But it's a great line. Eventually she will learn it. So here's the first thing. Submission is not. I said submission is not deaf, and we'll get into that. But the deaf helps you to remember this. You can actually just go D-E-A-F right on down on the blank lines there if you want to in big letters. But here's the first one. Submission is not drama. Here's how some people submit. Well, the Word of God says that, well, I don't agree with what God is saying to do, but I'm going to submit, and I'm going to go ahead and, and, and do that. Here's submission in the workplace. The boss says, I need you to do this. Well, I don't think it's right that the boss would ask me to do this. And no boss should really go through, and I should have this, and, and well, they're not paying me enough either, and I'm going to have to do this, and we go over, but I'll go ahead and do it. <laughs> Let me tell you something, folks. Submission is not drama. <laughs> if you've got drama going on with what you're saying, you are not in submission. That's all there is to it. You are not in submission. If someone that you are supposed to be submitted to says to do something and you don't like it, your place to talk about it is there. And to, to discuss it, not to tell, but to discuss it. Once you leave there, what should happen? No one should know that you have any different opinion than what you're doing. Don't bring any drama into it. Drama means I am not submitted. I still think... I'm right. I still think my way is better. But I'm going to go ahead and be the big person here and do what you're asking me to do. No, that's not. Submission is not drama. If there is drama involved in what you are doing, you are not submitted. The Word of God said, we looked at last week, submit therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. If we do not do the first part, we can't operate in the second part, and the third part won't happen. Submit, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. One plus one equals two. You cannot drop one of the digits out of the equation. It won't work. You've got to do them all. So that's the first one, drama. Submission is not drama. Here's the second one. This is the one that actually came in the original list. Submission is not easy. I love that. Submission is not easy. I've heard people say, and when this person was, was uh, teaching that they were going over, said, you know, oh, submission is no problem for me. Submission comes easy to me. Submission, folks, is not easy. If what you are doing is easy, it's not submission. I, I, I love this phrase. I, this is great. I wrote it down a while ago. This is fantastic. I've got to remember these things. Submission is not easy. If what I am doing is easy, it may not be submission at all. Now, some parts of submission 
are, are easier. And that gets us to the second part. Here's the second one. Submission is not easy. Submission is not agreement. As long as I agree with the person who is over me and what they say for me to do, submission is easy. It's that area when I don't agree. That's what he tells me. Just because you agree with the boss, just because you agree with God, just because you agree with the spiritual leader in your life, just because you agree with your parents, just because whatever, just because there's agreement doesn't mean there's submission. Because submission is not agreement. Submission comes in when you don't agree. Your child is not rebellious until you tell them to do something they don't want to do. Right? And then what do they do? Cry, have a fit, try and do it some other way. And they are now in rebellion. Here's the problem. They were in rebellion before. (laughs) You just didn't see it. This is what exposed it. And see, the same thing is true of Christians, folks. When we get into an area in the Word of God where it tells us to do something and I don't agree with it, and I say, I'm not doing that. I was in rebellion before. I just didn't have anything to expose it. This is exposing it. This is what's causing the problem. I don't know how many, how many folks have ever had something like uh, in their backyard. Anybody ever had a pool? In the wintertime, up here, most of the year, the pool is covered. And so when the pool is covered, you maintain the cover. You have to take the water off, take the dirt off, keep the thing clean. But you know what happens to the pool? The pool gets dirty. But you know what? You don't see it. Because it's covered. When does the pool being dirty become a problem? When you take the cover off. Now it's a problem. Up until then, it wasn't a problem. When rebellion is exposed, we got a problem. It was there. I just didn't see it. I just didn't know it was there. Submission is not a problem for us as long as we only operate in the areas where we agree when we get into those areas where we don't agree. We're going to look at some examples on this. Let's get through these guys first. Submission is not drama. Submission is not easy. Submission is not agreement. Here's the fourth one. Submission is not forced. Submission is not forced. If you ever go up, husbands, if you go up to your wife and say, Submit, woman. Don't wonder why you have a problem. Because submission is not forced. Now, on the flip side, wives, if you go up to your husbands and say, you need to love me, you're just as wrong. Word of God says what to the husbands? Husbands, love your wives. What's it say to the wives? Wives, submit to your own husbands. The directive does not go to the husbands to get the wives to submit. Now, we all like that. But it also works the other way. Wives, it is not your business to make your husband love you. Amen. Man, that is good. I'll tell you what. Yeah. <laughs> we take on jobs that don't belong to us. Because I don't want to submit to what the Word of God says to do. The Word of God says what to husbands? Love your wives. There's a submission factor when I get in line with that and love my wife. Wives are a submission factor to God when you submit yourself to your husband. I don't think that's right. I don't care. You didn't write the Word of God. You don't know the will of God. He wrote the Word of God for us so we would know it. Well, I don't like that. Then don't get married. I mean, it's simple. If you take a job with a company that pays so much money and now you don't like that, oh, wait a minute. You're, only, you're paying me how much? Uh, what we agreed to you when you came... No, 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 I don't like that anymore. Well, then don't work here. Right? If you don't like what we're doing, don't work here. It's simple. You cannot force submission. Jesus talks about the way of the world. We'll get into it another another week, but he talks to his disciples in the world. This is what they do. 
they lorded over others. But he said, it's, it won't be that way amongst you. That's not how it's supposed to be, folks. Four things. Submission is not drama. Submission is not easy. Submission is not agreement. And submission is not forced. Now, let me give you one more thing that submission is. Submission is not deaf. Well, I didn't know I was supposed to do that. I, I, I didn't know I was supposed to, to, to do that. When the disciples, after Jesus was dead, buried, and how many times did Jesus tell them on the third day? On the third day? On the third day? First time, Peter pulled him aside, rebuked him for it. So you know he heard it. Then he taught him again. Nobody rebuked him that time. Then he taught him again. And the last time he taught him, was before he entered in Jerusalem. He pulled them all up. said, before we go in there, guys, I just got something to go over with you. Now look, this is what's going to happen. We're going to go into Jerusalem. I'm going to be taken and uh, they're going to torture me and beat me and put me up on the cross and I'm going to die. But on the third day, I'm going to be raised. On the third day. Y'all got it? Yeah, 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 we got it. You got it. And then Jesus goes in and exactly what he says happens. And on the third day, what are the disciples doing? They're depressed, they're down, I don't know what we're going to do, our master's gone, they're all upset. Are they in submission? No, because they did not listen. Submission is not deaf. Submission desires to hear what the master has to say. Not only does it desire to hear, it desires to understand. Your lack of knowledge on a topic will not be an excuse for one who is submitted. One who is submitted will pursue God, pursue His Word, to find out what am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to respond? How am I supposed to act? That's what they will do. So, with those things in mind, let's go on in the Scripture here. In Luke chapter 22, verse 39, we're looking at Jesus. Coming out, He went to the Mount of Olives, as was His custom. And his disciples also followed him. And when he came to the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw. And he knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthened him, and being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And he rose up from prayer. And had come to his disciples, he found them sleeping from sorrow. And he said to them, why do you sleep? Rise, pray, lest you enter into temptation. And we know that he did that three times. He came back to them. But um, we're just looking at this, this one particular story. And this, first off, we see that Jesus comes before the Father and says, if it is possible, let this cup be taken from me. Right? One of the things that we saw in the list is that submission is not easy. In the times that you have read the account in the garden, do you ever get the idea that what Jesus is doing is easy? There's a second one. Do you ever get the idea when you read the account in the garden that Jesus is in agreement? Look at his wording. Lord, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you. All right. If his will is different from the Father's, then we know that Jesus is not in agreement. Do you know not being in agreement is not a sin? If it was, Jesus sinned. But he is, he can see another way. Now here's a question. I put this in your outline. This, is, this, this came to me as I was reading this. What was the will of Jesus? What was the will of Jesus? He says, not my will, but your will be done. Does that not indicate to you that Jesus had a specific plan? Different from the Father's. Not just a general plan. How many read this were just thinking he's generally just in, I just generally rather do something else. No, I get the idea that he's got a specific idea of something else to do. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. In other words, don't go my way, go your way. I'll submit to that. 
He's not in agreement, and this is not easy. But he's got a specific plan. What is the will of Jesus? Let the scriptures begin to comb through your mind. What is the will of Jesus? How many? What is the will of the Father? Go to the cross. Die on the, the cross. Be raised up on the third day. That's the will of the Father. What was done? The will of the Father. So what is the will of Jesus? Isn't it interesting that a contrary will exists, but no one knows it? Why is that? Because submission is not drama. Jesus does not come out of the garden and say, well, guys, I think I had a better plan. In my plan, I wasn't going to leave you. But the Father won out. So instead of doing my plan, which is this, we're going to do the Father's plan, which is this. Why does He never do that? Because submission is not drama. How many times have you had a different opinion than your boss or the person you are submitted to? How many people around you can tell what that idea is? I think it is remarkable that no one knew what Jesus' will was. Now look at this, folks. Who is with Jesus? We went into the garden with the twelve. We took three along into the uh, into a separate spot, and then Jesus went away from them. Right? Who is with Jesus? Doesn't somebody have to be with him to know what happened? Who's with Jesus? All right, who wrote the book? What group was Luke with? Is Luke among the three? No. Is Luke among the twelve? No. <laughs> Luke tailed around the whole time, but he's not one of the twelve, folks. What group is Luke with? And if Luke is not with Jesus, when he is praying to God to hear him say, not my will, but yours, how does Luke no, he said it. Now, Luke's the only one who talks about the drops of blood. So he had to be somewhere nearby to see the drops of blood. Maybe he saw them from a distance. Maybe he saw them when Jesus came, came up to him. Whatever it was. But how does he know this? The only thing I can come up with is that Jesus told them what happened. But he never told him his will. Why? Because it wasn't important. Why do we tell people our will when it is contrary to the one that we are submitted to? Because we believe our will to be more important than the one that we are submitted to. And that's why the people around us know what our will is. Well, amen anyway. It was, it was good. I'll tell you what, I've, I've been in those positions. I've been in places of employment and I greatly disagreed with the people I was under. And to my shame, the people around me knew it. That's not the way we're supposed to operate, folks. No one around you should know it. I eventually learned, but I didn't know it then. And I didn't, didn't operate that way. We learned submission. Now I put this in your outline for you. Submission is not deaf, but it is often dumb. Submission is not deaf, but it is often dumb. Dumb meaning, and this is the definition from the dictionary, lacking the power of speech. If you are truly submitted, if you are truly submitted, then your will that is contrary will lack the power of speech. If you are truly submitted. The fact that we keep giving voice to our will that is different from God's will or the will of the people that we're under is simply a testimony that I am not submitted. And then we'll ask God, God, why is the devil not resist? Uh, why, when I resist the devil, does he not flee? 
<laughs> right there, there's a marker. I am not yet submitted. Put this in your outline for you. Submission is not doing what you think is best, what you think will work, or what you think you understand is asked. What is submission? Doing the will of the one I'm under. That is what submission is. Now, we, we're okay with that sometimes in some secular areas, but when we get into the area where it's supposed to be spiritual and the Bible gets involved, how many of y'all know we can get a little hairy? You get a little crazy on, on that part of it. And sometimes we think, well, I'm going to obey the Bible. I'm going to obey what the Spirit of God has told me to do. And you've got to be careful with that. First place I learned this was when I was in a church, came in as a, uh, as a youth pastor, and I was serving in that church as a youth pastor, and it didn't take me too long to figure out that my view of divine healing was different from the pastor's view of divine healing. We don't have to get into all the specifics, what was different. I, I just know my view of it was not in line with his view. Now, I built my view up from the Word of God. I had people, Brother Hagin, all these people teaching me about, about divine healing. I learned it from all kinds of folks, Dr. Fred Price. One of my, oh, I'll tell you, astounding things. On, on the, I love some of those teachings that we have from him. Really cut my teeth on this. On this thing. I, I gleaned it from that. But I'm serving in the church and he doesn't believe all the things that I believe. Who needs to change? Now, here's the thing. I cannot teach what he thought the word of God said. But here's what I did. I cannot teach contrary to it. Once I found that out, they had already assigned me. He said, well, the pastor didn't want to do it. You do all the hospital visitations. So I'm visiting people in the hospital. How many of you know people in the hospital have one thing in common? <laughs> They're sick. <laughs> They're sick. They're sick people. So I'm going into the hospitals, visiting the, the people in the hospital. You know what I want to minister to them? The Word of God as I know it. Do you know what they're saying to me? The words of the senior pastor. Well, God must be teaching me a lesson for this. Well, I know it's, not, it's God's will to be healed, but there's sometimes that God has another, another way, another thing He wants to teach us. I'm hearing these things. How many of y'all know there's conflict? There's some serious conflict. And so uh, I was beginning to get some other duties and things like that. So I... I said, dear, dear Lord, I, I can't be in a place where I am subverting the authority of the senior pastor. What am I supposed to do? So uh, there's all these other things they wanted me to do. And so I finally came to him and says, look, you got all these things. You want me to do this, 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 and this. I have to drop something. How about if I drop the hospital visits? And they said, okay, we'll do that. I never brought up, you know, I think you're, you're wrong. <laughs> I never tried to convert all that. I just said, how about if I get out of that? And we did that. I had to make sure that when I was teaching in the church, I didn't teach along those lines. But there's plenty of other stuff to teach. I taught any other things. It's my job to get in line with that. It was. Well, what about you're submitted to God? Yes. And God put me under Him. So my role was submit and get in line with that. And so I did. And we worked on the areas where we were, <coughs> we were in agreement with. We'll get into why that's important later on. I put in your outline, submission is only doing the will of the Father and those He has put you under. That's submission. Anything else is not submission. Now, we're not going to get into the story. Moses at the burning bush, though. You all know it. Exodus chapter 3. Moses at the burning bush. bush sees the bush burning. Goes over to the bush. God has a conversation with him. He tells him to do some things. And how many of y'all know Moses is not in agreement? God says, I want you to go back to Egypt. I want you to, to bring my people out. I want you to do all these miracles. And Moses says, that's exactly what I wanted to do. Now, what's Moses say? <laughs> no, God, you don't understand. They don't want me back in there. I tried it. It didn't work. He had all these kind of things. First off, we're seeing that what, Mo what God is asking to Moses, it wasn't easy. Right? That's right there in your outline. It wasn't easy. God's asking something of him, and Moses is saying, this is not easy. I, I don't like this. Uh, here's the second one. He was not in agreement with the plan. 
right? He is not in agreement with the plan. But God did not force him. When Moses finally gets in line with the plan, he walks back to Egypt. He is not teleported. He's not beamed over. He walks back to Egypt on his own power. God didn't force him. God gave him a very strong command, but God did not force him because submission is not easy. It's not agreement. It's not forced. Here's the other thing. Moses dropped the drama. Moses does not come back and says, you know what, guys, I didn't want to do this either. He doesn't come back and talk about all that. I had a different plan. I wanted to stay up there and just, he doesn't do all that. That's not what Moses does. Abraham and Isaac, Genesis chapter 22. Do you see any drama in the account at all? Let's, let's just kind of run through it. Genesis chapter 22, if you want to read it over, I'm just going to run through it. God comes to Abraham and says, Abraham. He says, yeah, here I am. He says, I want you to take your son, your only son, the one you love. And I want you to take him up to Mount Moriah and I want you to sacrifice him before me. And Moses says, Oh, God! No! Please! Does he do that? Totally gone. What's he do? Gets up early in the morning. Gets the kid ready. Gets the wood ready. And they head on over. When he comes up and he has servants with him, does he say to the servants, Look, God's giving me this crazy command. I don't know what's going on with God right now, but we're going to go up there. Hopefully I can talk God out of this thing and get him on the right page because the idea of killing the son, that's just not... This is not does he do any of that? No. The guys down there don't even know anything's going on. They just said, me and the boy, we'll be right back. No drama. No drama at all. Just doesn't. So we see that with Abraham and I taking Isaac up there, uh, no drama in the account. Do you imagine it was easy? Now you have to use your imagination on this because as far as we can tell from the story, was it easy? As far, can, does, does Abraham list any difficulties? He gets up early. He goes right over there to do it. Ties him up. Has the knife ready. Do you see anything about Abraham that would indicate this is hard? No. But how many of you all know, being a parent, it cannot be easy? See, but you have to imagine it because you can't see it. It's not in the account. Here's the other one. Do you think Abraham was in agreement? How many of you would be in agreement? Did God force him? No. God didn't force him. He did it all on his own. Now, did Abraham always make submission look easy. Abraham, I want you to go over to a land I will show you. And he gets stopped over in the land of Haran. God comes to him again. Abraham, I want you to go to a land that I will show you. So he gets up from there. He says, leave your family. And the first time, he leaves with his dad, his aunts, his uncles, his nephew. They all go. When they're over Haran, all his relatives are now in Haran. When he sends his son to go back and get a wife, where does he go? Land of Ur? No. All his relatives are in the land of Haran. Why? Because they all came with him. What was God's command? I want you to leave your land. I want you to leave your family. And why don't you come to a land that I'm going to show you? What did he do? He left his land, took his family. Is that submission? No. He operated in agreement. All right, well, look, I agree with this and agree with this and agree with this. I don't agree with this. I'm taking my family. He takes them. So God comes to him again. Abraham, leave your family. Go to a land I'm going to show you. This is after his father dies. So Abraham says, okay. And he takes his nephew. Lot comes with him. And they go on down to the land that God would show him. And when he gets down to the land, what happens? There's a famine in the land. Well, I'm not quite in agreement with that. I was okay to come down to a land. But now it's a land of famine. I'm not in agreement with that. So I'm going to keep on going. I'm going to go a little further south down to Egypt. That worked out real well. 
Is he submitted? No, he's operating in agreement. Abraham, I'm going to bless you with, with more descendants than you can count. If you can count the stars, you can count your descendants. If you can count the sand, you can count your descendants. And what's he say? I don't have any kids. And no kids, and no kids, and no kids. And so they, his wife comes up with a plan and says, hey, here's an idea. And what's Abraham say? All right, let's give it a shot that way. Is that submission? No. That is not submission. Submission is not easy. Submission is not agreement. He went another way. Abraham does not always make submission look easy. In fact, he's the poster child for what not to do for a lot of times. But when we get to this chapter, Genesis chapter 22, he makes it look easy. That tells me that Abraham grew in submission. If Abraham grew in submission, so can we. Now think of it this way. If you were going to be Abraham, would you want to be Abraham in the first 50, 75 years? Would you want to be Abraham in the 25 years when he's trying to believe for the the child? Or would you want to be Abraham after the child was there? I don't know about you. I liked the latter part of his life better than the rest of it. He was struggling with an awful lot of things. I think that one seemed to be be a bit better. Greater blessings. Greater abundance. Greater things going on. He made it look easy in the end. But how many times did he fail to get there? If Abraham can grow, so can we. I put this in your outline for you. I want to make sure you got it. As we grow in other aspects of our walk, like faith, love, and such, we grow in submission. And the stronger we get in it, the more important missions and commissions God can give us. God cannot trust his most delicate missions, nor can he trust his greatest commissions on people who have not learned submission. If we continue to lag in the area of submission, we won't walk in the authority that we need to do the things necessary for the greater missions and the greater commissions. And God is not withholding them from us. He simply cannot put them on us until we show the ability to do it. All right, y'all know I'm a Star Trek fan. Going back to Star Trek. <laughs> Going back to the movies. The movies, the new, the new set of movies, y'all know the, the first one. If you have, how many have not seen the new set of movies in the Star Trek? Anybody still have not seen these? I would love to give you a homework assignment. Go home and watch them. <laughs> So much to learn from those. <laughs> but I'm just a big fan. Anyway, Captain Kirk, he takes the, the starship and he, uh, he has the command of it. And I think this is actually the second one in the second movie. And they, they uh, are on a mission. And they start the whole movie out this way. They're in a, a strange land, strange colors. And, and the, the people look weird. They just look weird. And they're dressed up to kind of blend in with them. And we find out that they're on some, some island that's going to, or some, some uh, planet. It's going to be destroyed by a volcanic eruption. And so they took the whole enterprise and they buried it in the ocean. And they have an away team. And they have Spock over there by the, Vulcan, he, or the, the, by the volcano. He is in the volcano. And he's going to defuse this thing with super technology that they don't have. And so uh, they all of a sudden... They get discovered. And you come in in the movie and they're being chased. This is how number two starts. They're being chased by these guys. And so they get in touch with their ship. They want to get beamed over. But they're having problems with Spock. Because there's interference. And they can't quite beam him out of location. Or there's, there's a problem that's going on in there. And so anyway, they're going to have to come up out of the water. And be exposed and come over closer to the mountain. In order to be able to beam him out. And so Spock says, that's okay, just let me die. That's Spock. You know, I'll just stay here, I'll get this thing done, and I'll die. But Kirk, you know, he's emotional, he's a friend. We've got to save Spock. And so the primary directive, even if you have not watched Star Trek, the primary directive is don't interfere. You're not supposed to interfere with, with life forms that don't know that you're there. 
And so he bypasses the directive. Now, he's already saved the world. In the first movie, he has already saved the world. And many other worlds. He saved all the worlds. He just, this one guy, he did, saved all the worlds. Already saved the world. They gave him the whole Star Trek. To, to, and he, he violates the prime directive. So you get him in front of the group. And they say, because you violated the prime directive, we are taking away your command. Because if you can't be submitted, we can't trust you with the greater commissions. We can't trust you with the missions. You have to see the rest of the movie to find out the rest of what happened. That's just the beginning. God wants to raise up Captain Kirk's. He wants to raise up people that he can give a mission to and he will get it done. Captain Kirk's that I'm talking about are guys like David, Moses, Elijah, Elisha, Paul, Peter. Oh, the list just keeps on going, doesn't it? People that God gave a great mission to, the Abrahams, People, I, I need someone to do this. I've raised you up. I've trained you up. I need you to do this. He can only give those to people who have learned submission. How do I learn submission? How do I learn submission to the degree that my father needs me to learn it? Because until my father decides that I'm submitted, am I submitted? Until my father sees that I'm ready, am I ready? Until Starfleet saw that Captain Kirk was ready, are they going to give him a ship? Mm -mm. What is your father's opinion? That's what's important. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 8. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 8. You have put all things in subjection under his feet, for in that he put all in subjection under him. He left nothing that is not put under him. But now we do not yet see all things put under him. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, for the suffering of death crowned with the glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, might taste death for everyone. For it was fitting for him, for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings for both of his for both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all of one for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren two times we see this word repeated sufferings that jesus was made perfect in sufferings what does suffering have to do with the authority that jesus was given the glorification that came upon him what does that have to do with it? What does the sufferings have to do? Verse, um, uh, Hebrews chapter 5, verse 6. As he also says in another place, you are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death and was heard because of his godly fear, though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he... Now look at this. Did Jesus need to learn how to obey in that he would not sin? Didn't Je isn't Jesus sinless? If Jesus is sinless, then wouldn't he always have obeyed? If you have always obeyed, why do you need to learn it? If there was never a situation in Jesus' life which he did not obey... Is there really a learning of obedience that he needs? But this is what the Word of God says. He learned obedience by the things which he suffered. You see, for the most part, folks, we think of obedience as not sinning. But there's a whole nother level. A whole nother level of obedience in obtaining Obedience in doing what God says to accomplish a mission. Nothing to do with sin. God says, this is what I need you to do. Why was the door open for God to give His only Son? 
because of the obedience of Abraham. And Abraham learned that obedience. How did he learn it? He suffered. How did Jesus learn the kind of obedience that he would need? Go back to the picture of the garden. Jesus is in the garden. How many of y'all get the idea that what Jesus is going through is not easy? That he is not in agreement? That he has another option available to him? At least he thinks he does. Whether it's, he, he obviously has something in his mind. Not my will, but your will be done. He had to be trained up throughout his life so that when he reached that point, his obedience would take him over. Obedience to the will of God. And he was trained up all his life to get ready for that. How would he do it? Through suffering. What kind of suffering are we talking about? We're talking about suffering. I'll put it to you this way. If you are at work and you would like to get off at five, but a special project has come in and they need you to stay until eight. How many of y'all know there's a little bit of suffering going on? If a special delivery is coming in the morning and instead of you being in there at 6 a.m., they need you in at 3.30. How many of y'all know there's a degree of suffering going on? But that's kind of small. But because you suffered there and learned obedience, there were other things that were opened up to you. And there were other things that were able to be done. And there's sometimes at work when you did some things and you suffered because what you wanted to do is different from what you're doing. That is suffering. And what we saw Jesus doing in the garden was once again suffering. Why did he suffer? Because what he wanted to do was different than what the Father asked him to do. And there was suffering involved. A lot. But there were other times that he suffered. There were other times that he did some things. There were other times that things happened. There were other times he was suffering. You can, you can face the distractions. You're suffering right now. <laughs> Yeah. Jesus suffered. There is no suffering when what the boss wants you to do is what you want to do. If the boss came to you and said, look, I need you to take half the day off. I don't want to. You can't make me. <laughs> right? Now, how many are saying, with pay? Oh, yeah. Yeah, with pay. You want me to take half the day off with pay. Yeah. yeah. In fact, don't come in tomorrow. I want you to take the day off and we'll pay you. Man, if I have to suffer like this, I'm not going to work here much longer. No, why is that not suffering? Because, because I'm in agreement. When you go on a diet, how many of you want that diet that has steak, that has meat and potatoes, that has all the bread that you want to eat? How many of you want that diet? Milkshakes. Desserts. How many of y'all want that diet? If you do this diet, if you eat all the steak that you want, all the hamburgers you want, all the french fries you want, all the milkshakes you want, you can eat all of them that you want and we guarantee you, you will lose weight. How many are on board? And I bet you will go after it with gusto. And you will eat all the hamburgers that you can eat. And you will eat all the french fries that you can eat. And you will eat all the steak that you can eat. And you will down as many milkshakes as possible. Because you will put total faith in that diet. Why? Because I'm in agreement. And this sounds easy. Right? How many of y'all know diets are not easy? And they're generally disagreeable. <laughs> You're generally eating things that otherwise you would not eat. You're buying food you would not normally buy 
and you're avoiding food that you would normally buy. You're avoiding restaurants you would like to go to to go to places you'd rather not. You're eating salads instead of meat and you're not even having ranch dressing on that salad. You're doing something healthy, some vinaigrette. Right? It's not easy. But you see, the suffering in the diet is generally what we expect. That's what's going to make it work. I put this in your outline. There is no suffering if you always do what you agree with. There is no suffering if you always do what you agree with. Your growth comes in the areas where there is suffering. Put this in your outline too. We first learn under believers before we learn it under Him. Jesus says, How can you tell me that you love me? In 1 John, How can you tell me that you love me when you can't love those whom you can see? You can't tell me you can love someone you can't see if you can't love someone that you can see. Don't tell me that you can obey someone you can't see when you can't obey someone that you can. In Luke chapter 16, verse 10, He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much, and he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? Hmm. If you have not been faithful in what is another person's, what belongs to someone else, a commission that someone else has been given, who will give you what is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. You cannot serve God in yourself. You cannot serve, you cannot be submitted to God and be submitted to yourself. You are either submitted to one or the other. The suffering comes in when what God asks you to do is different from what you want to do. The suffering comes in and when someone you are under asks you to do something that you don't want to do. Now, how are you going to do it? Are you going to do it with drama? That's not submission. And you're not suffering. Not to the degree that you need. I didn't get to make this in your, your outline, but you might want to write this down if you, if you feel like it. You have no trouble with what you yield to. Suffering comes when you stop yielding. You have no trouble with what you yield to. Suffering comes when you stop yielding. You have no trouble with your diet as long as you can eat all the pizza that you want. But when you stop saying yes to pizza, now we've got an issue. See, God knows what we're saying yes to, what we're saying no to. Remember last week, James chapter 4, verse 1? Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war within your members? I want stuff. And therefore, if I submit to God, I'm not going to get that. I'm not going to be able to do what I, what I want. So here's the question we'll leave you with. What have you been willing to suffer? What have you been willing to suffer? Until you increase what you are willing to suffer, you will not increase your submission. Submission, obedience, involves suffering. And if you want to be raised up to do something great for God, then He's going to need you to be greatly submitted. No drama. Not just doing what's easy. Not just doing what you agree with. See, the problem with with those that we're submitted to, we can agree with 50% of what they do. We can agree with 60% of what they do. We can agree with 70% of what they do. We can even agree with 90% of what they do. But what do you do when you get into the 10%? When you get into the area where you don't agree? What happens then? That's the area where you grow. And most of us have been doing the things that keep us small. It's not what you do in the 90%. It's what you do in the 10 So here's where we're going to get into next week. 
what is involved in the 10%, in the areas where I don't agree. What's involved? How do I grow in those areas? How do I get stronger? How do I use them to benefit my walk and not compromise my Christian beliefs? How do I do it? Because that's where your growth is going to come. That's where your growth is. Jesus, his will was different from the Father. What did he come out doing? And we never saw him speak a word of what his will was. In fact, no one still to this day knows what it is. I want to get to the place where my will is different from the Father's. No one ever knows what it is. No one ever finds out. That's where we need to go. Would you all stand up with me? Father, we thank you for great examples on the Word of God on submission. We see some who faltered but grew, became strong. We see some who never did. We see what happened in their life. Father, we want to become the men and women that you want us to be. We want to be able to take on those missions that you have earmarked for someone who is submitted to the level that you need. We want to take on those commissions that are earmarked for someone who is submitted at a higher level. Father, we want to do the things that are necessary. We know that will involve suffering. But we're ready and we're prepared because the more submitted we are to you, the more we can resist the devil, the more he will flee. We thank you, Father, for the help you give us. In all these things we take on this week, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We got some praise reports? Anybody have some late ones coming in? Where's my praise report reader? My praise report reader left. All right. Nick, Thursday night, I have, uh, you have that one? Okay. Nick said, Thursday night I had a soccer game at North Wales. It was, um, it was pairing with, uh, oh, oh, it was, you were, you were, it was pouring. Yes, that's right. It was pouring with thunder and lightning, and I remembered Pastor Jay speaks about authority over the weather. I spoke out, and uh, the, lightning had to, the, the lightning had to stop. Sure enough, it stopped. God pulled the... This is why I have a reader. God pulled the, the what back? Oh, the clouds back. All right. I do have some glasses I can use to read for these smaller things, but uh, apparently not with me. Thank you, sir. You got to use this thing, too. Okay, so I spoke out and said this lightning has to stop. Sure enough, it stopped. God pulled the clouds back like a curtain, and the sun shone over the field. My praise uh, goes right to him, but shouldn't we also praise him because every little thing is important to God? If he did that for a soccer game, imagine what he will do when it really matters. Hmm. Finances will be in good standing. Health is perfect. It's already taken care of. He takes care of so much that he gave us authority over. Okay, Mr. Darrell says, the word that was spoken over me during the meetings has been made manifest manyfold. Chelsea, which has such great handwriting. Um, watching God answer Nick, Nick's prayer on Tuesday was such a blessing to me. I was pretty certain we were going home because the lightning and thunder seemed to be right overhead, but pretty soon I was amazed as black clouds rolled over, rolled back off the field. I was doubting, but Nick's childlike faith shows me time and again, time and black and white faith can be. It's in the word, my father said it, so that's the way. Dude, I'm very grateful for little reminders not to complicate things on your own mind. You know the word, speak the word, see the word. Jolly says, I rejoiced and received um, this past week another first in the port of Philadelphia find of a weevil pest, a very dangerous pest that prey on pineapples. Can't wait for the reward, praise God. Uh, this one's from Miss Ethel. Thanking God for our authority to declare, decree, and see. My brother was flying sand by on Thursday, and everything in the natural said he was going to 
get on, not, uh, said he was not going to get on the flight. I checked with God that uh, there was no issue with him flying and, um, and found none, so there was none. This allowed me to declare and decree that he would make the flight and there would be no issues. Glory to God, he made the flight and saw his um, nephew graduating and uh, from the Naval Training Center on Friday. Okay, this one's also from uh, Miss Ethel. My phone was not working properly and I really wanted a new phone so I could connect with my Bluetooth um, ear buds when I ran because of the 100 day challenge, no unnecessary shopping. I plan to uh, wait until my new contract, which, which uh, goes into effect in October 2015. Well, about a week after all this, my phone started working perfectly and I didn't need to Good. We got one more, right? Roshan, I put this up on the Facebook page. It's been, a, it's been said time and time again, God's time is not our time in the song. He is, he's an on-time God. You can put no time limit on the manifestation for God's plan. Jay Hoskins spoke on at Zoe June 4th to the 7th. He specifically told me on Saturday, June 5th, that I was going to step into something really big. He even had me take a big step forward. Well, the Lord blessed, and I was able to purchase a car on Tuesday, June 17th. Not just any car, but the specific car that I've been talking about and wanting for a few years. I know that with God all things are possible, and I gave him all the praise, honor, and glory for this and everything else that he has already paid for concerning me when he died on the cross and said, it is finished. Amen. Good. We appreciate all the praise reports you all put in. Look forward to those every, every week. Look for God to be doing some things in your life. Let's all stand up one more time as you get ready to go.